Hi, I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to the Idea Fit Business Success Podcast. We recently finished the Idea World Conference, and for those of you that might not be aware of it, this is one of the largest gathering of fitness professionals, equipment companies, and programming services. Not in the world, but probably one of the largest in the world. It's always amazing to see the number of new products or services that are introduced every year. I've been going to Idea World probably for more than a decade. I know since the early to mid-2000s. And every year, it always seems like there are new products, new services, new programs. You know, there's always a just an overwhelming plethora of new things to discover at every world conference. You know, that said, you know, it could take a lot for a product to go from kind of conception, you know, you, you get an idea for something. You know, if anybody is familiar with TRX, you know, Randy Hedrick that had the idea while he was serving the military, he first introduced the product in 2004, and it took a number of years for the TRX to catch on as a standard piece of fitness equipment. Another example is Zumba. Zumba was a, became a very popular Latin-based, you know, Latin music-based dance program, dance exercise program. You know, the question I have when, when I go to an idea world is, you know, why do some programs like Zumba, why do some products like TRX, why do they thrive? What can make the difference between a product that becomes successful, you know, becomes a piece of must-have equipment, and one that might be relegated to the, you know, trash bin of fitness history? There's one critical, important component of success of any product launch, and that's having the financial resources or capital to be able to bring a product from conception to market. You know, whether you want to launch a product, whether you want to create a new program like Zumba, or whether you have a new studio idea, keep in mind that Orange Theory Fitness is a relatively new studio concept that's only been out for a few years. You know, when you look at it, fitness professionals, especially those of, those of us that are members of IDEA, fitness professionals are, we're entrepreneurs. You know, maybe not in traditional sense, but you're always creating new programs. You're always creating new workouts. You're always creating new exercises. You're always creating things. You know, part of being an entrepreneur is being creative, having a new idea. You know, when you look at it, as a fitness professional, you probably have no shortage of creativity. In fact, you, yes, you, could be sitting on the next TRX or Zumba. However, the one main challenge is how do you get it from an idea in your head or something you may be working with, you know, your members or your customers right now, how do you get it to market? You know, unless you're one of the fortunate few to have a wealthy benefactor, like a wealthy client or wealthy relative, it can really be a challenge to come up with the proper funding, the proper capital to get a product, to develop a product and bring it to market. However, a recent trend has, has started the last few years. You may be familiar with something called crowdsourcing. Websites like Indiegogo, Kickstarter, allow people to raise money by reaching out to an extended network. And this is the amazing thing, folks. If you use crowdsource funding, it's not that hard to get a way to get funding to bring your ideas to market. So in this episode of the Idea Fit Business Success Podcast, I speak with two relatively new fitness companies. These companies have been around for less than five years. And in the interest of full disclosure... 
full 100% disclosure, I do a little bit of work with each of these companies. I'm a master trainer for them, for each of them, and I work a little bit as an education consultant. But that has allowed me to see how these companies have evolved, and that's allowed me to get to know some of the executives or some of the owners or starters of these companies. And what I want to do, what I'm doing with this podcast today, what I'm doing with this episode of the podcast is I'm bringing you a look into how these companies got the start. How do they go from idea to product? What I wanted to do was allow you to hear how each of these companies use crowdfunding to help either get their product launched or help to expand their product. So on this episode of Fit Business Success, we start out with Greg Nigro. Greg is a longtime industry veteran. He is now the VP, the Vice President of Sales, and one of the founders of TerraCore Fitness. That's followed up by Derek Mikulski. Derek was working as a personal trainer in Lifetime Fitness and came up with the idea for the Active Motion Bar. What you'll hear on this episode is how each of these entrepreneurs use crowdfunding to help expand their product, expand their business, and become must-have equipment tools in the fitness marketplace. I'm Pete McCall on behalf of the Idea Fit Business Success newsletter, and I'm speaking today with Greg Nigro. Greg, can you tell us a little bit about your company and what, what products you guys make? Uh, absolutely. So uh, I'm the co-founder of TerraCore Fitness, and uh, we produce a product called the TerraCore. It's uh, a balanced trainer. It's a functional trainer. It's a, a one-in-many product that just people love to use. And how long how long have you guys been out on the market? Um, well, we it's kind of a, a funny story. We actually started uh, our business as Vicor Fitness, where we were manufacturing um, core training benches, uh, and that transitioned into the TerraCore product. And uh, we just kind of saw the TerraCore really hook up, so we shifted our business model to focus more on the TerraCore product. Uh, we've had that product out now for almost two years, and uh, that's our main focus right now. All right, because what, what we're speaking about today is how you used Kickstarter and how you got the funding for your product. But but real quick, just walk us through, if you don't mind, because you have a tremendous amount of industry experience, because what I want listeners to hear, Greg, is there might be somebody, you? I think you are you have a very similar background to a lot of people in fitness where you've done a little bit of this, done a little bit of that, and you you came across, you know, one of your partners, your business partners, and all of a sudden you found yourself starting a company. So what I want people to hear is kind of like how you made that transition from the roles that you played into being an entrepreneur. Great question, Pete. Um, I think it, it came down to um, working for many others in the industry. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me personally, I found myself in a position where uh, in 2008, the economy had kind of taken a nosedive. And, you know, there was a lot of flux in our industry and a lot of things were changing. And I'm looking at the writing on the wall. And for me personally, I just, I think I was tired of putting my fate in the hands of somebody else and their decisions. And I wanted to create that for myself. So I wanted to be the captain of my own ship, so to speak. Uh, I created uh, an opportunity with a business partner of mine to make that happen. And the crowdfunding and Kickstarter platform that we utilized to get the TerraCore to market was a big, big, big part of that. 
And what gave you the idea? I mean, obviously, you, you, you know about Kickstarter. First of all, let's, let's kind of explain for listeners that, that might not know it. And, and for listeners, I'm going to have a little write-up on this in, in the idea of Fit Business Success. They will have a link to Kickstarter on there so you can learn more about it. And I think most people might have a, kind of have heard it before. But if you could just kind of tell us what you, what led you to Kickstarter. Well, again, another great question, Pete. Um, and I'm not so sure a lot of people are familiar with Kickstarter. Um, and now Kickstarter is a is a is a business, so it's it's its individual company is Kickstarter. But to be more general, it's called crowdfunding. So there's a lot of different crowdfunding platforms, and they're becoming more and more popular because of the fact that. E- if you're going to start a business as an entrepreneur, if you don't have a, a rich uncle, you know, like I, I don't have a rich uncle, it, you, you got to go out. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? Um, you got to go out and you got to find a bunch of money. So whether you're creating a service-based business or you're going to open a gym or you've got a product, that, you know, you're going to have to pay for tooling. You're going to have to, you know, pay for an engineer. You're going to have to pay for an architect. You're going to have to pay for equipment, you know, whatever it might be. Opening a business is not cheap. So in the past, what you had to do is you had to find your rich uncle or you had to find somebody like an angel investor, or you had to find a VC. And if you watch, you know, shows like Shark Tank, you see like investors want to see that you've already kind of made it which is kind of hard as an entrepreneur. How do you get started if you don't have anybody that's willing to invest in your idea or you've got to prove yourself to them in order to get that kind of money? So it's really kind of difficult. So um, with technology, what we started to see were these great platforms called uh, crowdfunding, which you know Kickstarter is one of them, Indiegogo is another one. And basically, instead of going to one or two people to get a bunch of money, we go to a lot of different people to get a little bit of money. So if we get a little bit of money from all those people, that adds up. And that's what crowdfunding is. So we go to the crowd, we ask for a little bit of money. And if we, if the crowd loves our idea, that usually helps you raise what you need um, to get your product or, or your service to market. So with the, uh, and there's two different platforms just to kind of understand. There's a re, uh, reward-based platform like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, Indiegogo which means that you have your idea, you put it on there, you create a campaign, and somebody likes what you're doing and they give you some money. In exchange for that, you give them a reward. That reward could be a t-shirt. That reward could be the product. Um, They even crowdsource um, for films nowadays. There's a lot of movies that are being made, and so the reward might be your name in the credits. Um, and then there's a equity-based platform. So groups like WeFunder, a little bit more involved because you're now selling stock um, in your company. So you have to file documents with the SEC and a few other things. It's a little bit longer engaged process. But the crowdfunding is an excellent way for an entrepreneur to get started today. So when you did Kickstarter, you didn't – people that donated money to Kickstarter – didn't in essence they weren't buying shares in the company so they're not co-owners of your company correct that's correct and how did you do that because i I mean i remember seeing the campaign i mean in full disclosure i've known greg for a few years and and i am a master trainer for the terracor but the conversation that we're having is is specifically on how you got started because i remember seeing that so did you go through the model if they if they donated a certain amount of money through kickstarter did they did people receive one of your early products one of the early generation 
Um, some did and some didn't. So, you know, the way that the Kickstarter campaign worked for us, or at least the way that we set it up is, you know, first off, you've got to create a beautiful page. You've got to create a beautiful message. You have to tell your story. And if people like what they hear, they like what they see and they're interested, my, the way we set our campaign up was in segments. So maybe I had a friend out there that, you know, they didn't, want to um, spend the money to get the Terracor, um, but they wanted to help my campaign. So we would, you know, if you gave me $25, I give you a t-shirt as an example. Um, if you actually ordered the product, you know, we would give you different levels. So if you, if you wanted to order one Terracore, it was a certain price point. If you wanted to order two, you got a little bit better break. If you wanted to order 10, you got a little bit better break. So it just kind of, the way we set our campaign out is in chunks. And the advantage here, and I just want to be clear, for most entrepreneurs in a campaign and to the crowd is to kind of create this win-win. So the entrepreneur says, yeah, I need to raise this money, right? And I've got a great idea. So I put it out to the crowd. Well, what's the advantage to the crowd to help you get there? And the way we set it up was that you could get the Terracor at basically wholesale, um, so the wholesale pricing was a one-time opportunity for somebody who said, oh, that's really cool. I can buy this now at a price I'm never going to see again. So that's kind of the win-win behind the, the crowdfund and how we set it up is that we wanted our crowd to get a great deal on a great product to help us reach our goal so that we could get the product to market. All right. Without going too much into particulars of, of, about the product, Greg, can mm-hmm. you just talk a little bit about like kind of how did you use that money? Because I think it, I think it's interesting, you know, learning a little bit about the process, the manufacturing process. I don't think a lot of people have really have an understanding of what that takes. You know, they might have an idea. This be a cool piece of equipment. Okay, that's a great idea. But there's a whole process to have a new piece of equipment made. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? <laughs> how much time do? How long is the podcast going to be? Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> briefly. I mean, it just just be, just give listeners an idea. I mean, because obviously you guys had the idea, but then you have to, you know, as you you have referred to this, you, you have to come up with drawings, and you have to have somebody to actually make it. So, what's that? You know, talk, walk us through a little bit of that process. Yeah. So it really kind of depends on how um, involved your product is and and how complex, right? So first off, you know, before you start a campaign, I would recommend that you kind of do the research on what it's going to cost to produce that product, right? So is it uh, is it steel? Is it aluminum? Is it is it injected molding? Is it plastic? Is it rubber? What what are the materials that uh, you need in order to produce that product? Uh, the next thing that you're gonna to want to try and figure out is who can make it for you. Do you have a, a manufacturer in mind? Um, is that manufacturer in the United States or uh, Mexico, maybe China? Um, you, you gotta, you're gonna have to find a source of production. My recommendation is to is to put it out to as many different facilities to manufacture that product as possible because you're gonna get a wide range of. Um, uh, responses and costs. So, you know, you're going to want to find somebody that you feel comfortable that will produce the quality that you need at the price point you think uh, the market will accept. Um, and, you know, the the thing to understand too is, is that uh, getting prototypes made, um, those kinds of things are so critical to understanding what the quality is going to be. So, find yourself a factory. 
make them get you some prototypes so that you can actually see, touch, and feel the quality of the product that you're going to produce. And then you got to start to understand your costs. What's it going to cost to build the product? What's it going to cost to get it? Uh, to wherever you're located, and then what's the cost to get it out to the consumer, and then you're going to have to put your um, your margin on top of that because you're. I'm assuming that most people that are thinking about starting a business are in it to make money, so you're going to have to figure out what that's going to be, and from there you'll understand how much money you need to get going because you're going to have not just the the factory, but you'll have tooling that needs to be produced. Typically, you'll need a first you know, container or round of inventory uh, to get you going. And those are kind of things that, that I would look at in getting going first so that when you decide to launch a campaign, you know how much money you need because that's a, that's a key factor. In a, in a Kickstarter campaign, you set a goal. Do I need to raise $50,000? Do I need to raise $100,000? Do I need to raise $500,000? What do you need? And so understanding how much you need and then what it's going to take to get you there is going to be critical in trying to launch a successful campaign. Yeah, because I would think that, especially when you're, you're creating a new product, I mean, there's so much, there's so many different products in fitness already that you would need to have something that's going to stand out and you would need to have enough inventory so that if it hopefully becomes popular, it, you know, you, you can supply it because I, I think, it, you know, nothing would be worse than, hey, it's popular. All of a sudden, whoa, we're out of inventory. Well, it's going to take, you know, six weeks. You know, it's going to take a few weeks for a factory to make it. And it's going to take another few weeks to get it from wherever it's being made to to the end user. Is that is that how you use the initial campaign money was to kind of fund that that first, you know, initial you know, round of product production? Exactly. It's exactly what we did. But then we had to, you had to think a little bit further ahead than that, too. So it, it's really a mathematical equation that you have to come out with because you, you've got finite costs, right? The, the cost to manufacture, the cost of shipping, uh, storage, warehousing. Uh, the, that co- those are finite costs. And some of those things fluctuate, right? Shipping costs are going to fluctuate here and there. Um, you know, you're going to have minimum order requirements, you know, the more you order, you know, maybe you get a better price break from the manufacturer, but, but in getting going, you're going to have kind of some hard costs. And one of the things that we did is figured out, okay, what's the bare minimum that it's going to take for us just to get the product made. And then, you know, you have to think, well, if, if we're doing a crowdfund here and people are going to be actually buying the product, You have to start to say, okay, well, how much inventory are we going to need to fulfill these orders that are coming in through Kickstarter? Because you don't want to just fund uh, to get the product made and then not have have any money to actually pay for the inventory to fulfill the orders. So you have to kind of do this mathematical equation. And then the, the critical piece that some people forget about is you know, the, the money that you're going to make off of the campaign, because you're going to have to make a certain amount of money so that you can buy more inventory. You're going to find yourself in a, in a really bad spot if you just get yourself enough money to cover in, um, the, the initial round of inventory, and then that's gone. You've got no profit, and now you're in the hole again and with nothing to order new inventory, if that makes any sense. No, and I think that does. And I think that's, it's helpful to, I think, Greg, to have this conversation because I am sure 
you know, especially if they're reading, you know, if they're reading an idea, if they're reading the fitness business success, then they really are, they're, they're looking at what else can they do? Because we all want to make more. We want to be able to earn money while we're, while we're sleeping. We don't want to have to work get paid, you know, per hour of labor. We want to be able to have, you know, kind of a residual income. As you've grown the business, what's been, what's been one of your big, biggest successes that kind of, that, that kind of caught you by surprise? And then what has been like the most, something that you didn't anticipate as being a challenge? Wow. Um, those are great questions, Pete. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, I, let me answer it with, um, the success of the product. Um, I always thought it was a, a really cool piece. Um, but I didn't realize, uh, how people, so for the success of it, how people, how much people actually really love the product. I get very, very, very few negative comments. Almost everything is just overwhelmingly positive. When I look at things that are happening on Instagram and social media from around the world, uh, people that I've never met, never talked to, who are using the TerraCore, and their comments are, this is my favorite piece, and you know, this thing is amazing. You know, all the things that they say that are so positive about it, I think came to me as a, as a, as a big surprise. I was very... Uh, pleased that so many people lo just love the product. Um, at the same time, that challenge of getting the awareness out there to people has kind of been the biggest um, problem for me, you know, making sure that we can uh, market or create an understanding of what the TerraCore is and does. That's kind of been the biggest challenge for us. Um, once people get it in their hands, they love it. But it, I guess the challenge is how do we get it into their hands? And being a small business, now it's a whole different conversation. Now we're talking about marketing. So um, did I, I don't know no, if no, I, did I answer because, your question. But no, I think that's really good because I think a lot of times people, you look at this and, and part of this is, is having watched Shark Tank, right? Is, you know, sometimes you hear, see somebody come on Shark Tank. They think they have this great idea for a product that's never been done before. And it's like you you hear the you hear the business guys on Shark Tank you hear the sharks kind of just break it down and chop these people up. And a few years ago, there's a there's something on uh, FX called Sweat TV, mm -hmm. no Sweat Inc. Sweat Inc. that featured Jillian Michaels and Randy Hetrick and and a couple other people and Randy being the creator of the TRX. It really was an interesting look at that process. So to hear you talk about that process, I mean, I know it hasn't been easy. Just from our personal conversations, I know this hasn't been easy. And it takes some time. I mean, you're, you're talking about you've been in the market for two years and people might not have heard of your product. And, and, and we're not here to do a commercial on it, but it just it's an indication that it takes a lot of work to get the traction. To, to wrap this up, Greg, is, is Kickstarter, did you, was it a positive experience? Is it something, if, if, I'm, if I'm thinking about creating that next it product in fitness, is it something I should look into for, Absolutely. for getting, getting the funding? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it does a couple of different things. One, um, as an entrepreneur, you want to maintain as much equity in your business as possible. And, you know, you bring up Shark Tank and you look and if you ever watch it, you see what happens there. You know, the, they're, they're sharks for a reason because they take a giant bite out of your ass. <laughs> you know, uh, you need the money. You're going to give up a lot of equity typically in order to get that kind of help. And, Kickstarter or, you know, crowdfunding platforms are a way to bypass that, to get the money without having to give up a big piece of equity. The other thing that it does too, is it also helps kind of prove your concept. 
if um, if you put something out there and you know you've got this giant crowd and nobody seems to buy off on it, you know that might tell you something. It might say, hmm, you know maybe you need a redesign or maybe it wasn't as good as you thought it was going to be. Um, you know it, it'll tell you a lot of different things. But uh, I do recommend the platform. I think it's amazing. I think that it's a it's a great way to get the funding that you need to launch a product or a service. And uh, but at the same time, I want everybody to know it's not easy, you know, just because it's online and it, and it sounds good and it looks simple. It's not simple. It is complicated. It's tough. It's hard. Um, what I can tell you, though, is is it's totally worthwhile. You will learn so much about the marketing of your product, the feedback and what people think. Um, and, you know, if you're successful, then that's the, the next thing is now you're going. It, it'll launch you. And that's to me, I think it's it's a valuable platform, but just understand going in, and there's a lot of information out there, is it, it does require a lot of work. It's not something that you just put up uh, online like a Facebook post and and, it, and let it go. No, man, you got to work, you got to market, you got to call people, you got to call your crowd, you got to get people to share it because it's about awareness. And it's the same thing, you know, as it is with the TerraCore being, you know, uh, and, and our challenges now. It's, it's, a, it's out in the market, but people need to know about it. So the Kickstarter campaign or an Indiegogo campaign is no different. People need to know about your campaign. So uh, my recommendations would be a couple of things. One, um, if this is something that you're thinking about doing, Start building your crowd. Uh, do it as quickly as possible because the larger your crowd, the, the more people that you have access to, the better opportunity you have to have a successful campaign. So, so start early by building your crowd. Uh, the second thing that I would recommend is making sure that you have a quality page um, that uh, has a, a great video of good quality with good sound that tells a story. Uh, that would be the second thing that I recommend. And then the third thing is I would stay and get a small team around you that is actively involved once you launch your campaign. Because the campaigns last for anywhere from 30 to 60 days, and you get to set the parameters of that. But it's a short period. So uh, you're going to need people and friends and family and colleagues who are sharing this information regularly so that, again, you get it out to the crowd. So um, there's a lot of work uh, involved in doing something like this. But at the end of the day, I think it's incredibly rewarding to be able to put that kind of work in and see the um, uh, the fruits of your labor come to fruition in, in having a successful campaign. So I, I definitely recommend it. Cool. I really appreciate the insight. And I'm sure the listeners, Greg, really appreciate kind of looking a little bit behind the curtains. And I'm going to put, I'm gonna, just for, for listeners, I'm going to have an example. And again, this is just so you can understand what Greg is talking about in the process that he went through to get the funding because you might have the next killer product and you need to have a way to get it funded so you can get it made and get it out to the public. Greg Nigro with TerraCore Fitness, man. I really appreciate your time today. It's been a pleasure, Pete. Thank you so much. That was an interesting look at how TerraCore Fitness used Kickstarter. Now I'll speak with Derek Mikulski, the founder and CEO of Active Motion Bar, about how he used Indiegogo to help expand his product line. I'm Pete McCall with the Idea of Fit Business Success. I'm speaking today with Derek Mikulski, 
the founder of Active Motion Bar. And Derek, you used crowdfunding. Well, first of all, Derek, can you give us just a little brief background about how you got the idea for Active Motion Bar and, and the process that you went through to, cr- to create a, a brand new product? Yeah, sure, Pete. Um, uh, well, the initial idea for Active Motion Bar started when I was a fitness professional at a Lifetime Fitness. I worked with lots of uh, what you consider older adults. And uh, there were two things that, that stuck out to me in terms of being problems that I wanted to try to solve. One was a lot of my clients absolutely hated using balance tools like BOSU balls and balance platforms because they thought they were going to fall and they felt unsuccessful while using them. Um, and the other thing that struck me as being kind of uh, you know, a miss on, on, in the way of, of what people are told to do in the gym is this disconnect between how we move in the gym and how we move outside of the gym. Um, you know, I'd see people walk on treadmills and and sit on machines and push and pull, but wouldn't do anything like, you know, engage in dynamic movement, like, like we do in everyday life. And so I kind of wanted to create a product that would provide instability in the hands. So like a handheld balance tool, while also introducing variability into the training environment to encourage, you know, multi-planar movement, bending and twisting and shifting and lifting and doing all these things at once. So, so I landed on the active motion bar, which is really simple. It's a bar filled with ball bearings that move inside and that shifting mass creates some balance challenge and also facilitates all that dynamic movement. So, and, and so what was the process of, of developing that? Like what, what did it take? Cause you haven't made, you make the active motion bar. You're from the Detroit area, correct? Yeah, yeah, we have a manufacturing facility, and that that sounds more grand than it is. We have about a three thousand square foot space that uh, um, houses our all of our products and our manufacturing capabilities. We have a couple guys back there, um, full time building and shipping, um, and yeah, they're made right here in Michigan. And so you use crowdfunding. What I want to specifically talk to you about because it's my belief there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there. I mean, the fitness industry. You know, when you were a trainer working for Lifetime, you had to be, you had to run your own business, you know, per se, in order to get your own clients. And so the fitness industry kind of attracts this unique individual who kind of wants to work for themselves, yet might not just be 100% aware of how to do this successfully. So mm-hmm. what, why did you turn to crowdfunding and, and what did you use it for? Yeah, well, I think you're right, Pete. Like a lot of fitness professionals, you know, we're, we're trainers and we're we're exercise science kind of uh, not experts, but um, definitely that's our that's our uh, area of knowledge. And we're not always good business people. So I was in the same spot lots of other people are. And just to be fully transparent, when we started, I was able to raise some initial capital um, from a small in, uh, investor uh, who is actually one of my clients, and. It was a small amount of money to start with, just enough to get us off the ground. And then uh, in 2016, we turned to crowdfunding for our first uh, project where we were creating some content around Active Motion Bar. So we were putting together a big home fitness program. We used Indiegogo, was the crowdfunding platform. And we picked it because um, you know you have two big crowdfunding platforms that are most common, Indiegogo and Kickstarter. With Indiegogo, you get to keep all of the money you raise, regardless of whether or not you hit your goal. And with Kickstarter, if you don't hit your goal, you do not get any of the funds. So we obviously opted for the one where we were going to get some some cash so that we could kind of fuel um, the the project. 
And that's, you know, what was your experience? So in doing that, why did you pick on that platform? Was there a specific reason why you picked one platform over the other? Yeah, well, mainly because of, of the fact that with Indiegogo, you get to keep everything you raise. With Kickstarter, if you don't hit your funding goal, uh, you don't get to keep any of it. And that was the biggest driver. But also, uh, we initially chose Indiegogo because the setup in terms of your, your crowdfunding campaign, it's a, it's a much easier process. Um, you basically put your content on a, on a, like a template landing page and press launch and it's, it goes out there to the world. Whereas with Kickstarter, they actually have a pretty intense review process where you have to build your platform, your, your page first, then it goes through this series of reviews. And if it doesn't meet certain qualifications, you have to go back and fix it. And so for all those reasons, we, we went with the simpler and more uh, certain approach, which was Indiegogo. And what was your overall, how was your experience? I mean, in terms of using the platform, did you have to do a lot of advertising? Did you have to like promote it to people that, that you know, in order to get, to kind of get the funding or was it something you just put it out there and it kind of created a life of its own? Yeah, man. So this is where I feel like there's a lot of uh, uncertainty and, and like misleading information around crowdfunding because a lot of people are under, under, under the impression that you put it out there to the world and people flock to you. And that's not the case. Like we set our initial crowdfunding goal at $50,000, which is a pretty large amount. And we, we surpassed it by a good amount, which is lucky. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't want to say it's lucky. We were fortunate because the word got out. But I'll tell you honestly why we were able to do that. It's because we have a we have a, a customer database and and a, and a very very large customer database of, of email addresses. I'm talking tens of thousands, and you know we track back all of the campaign funding mostly to those uh, email blasts that we sent out to our to our database. Very little traffic to that campaign page was generated by all the money we spent on Facebook advertising, all the Google ads we did. Um, we invested into a couple of campaigns with some blogger, fitness blogger networks. Um, I'm not kidding you when I say that the, all that stuff generated about only 5% of our total funding. The other 95% came from our direct reaching out to our database. And a lot of people, when they start off, do not have a database that size, right? So lots and lots of campaigns don't do well, um, I think, because that, that, that viral effect is so hard to achieve. Um, you, need, you need a solid base of people to send your message to. Well, and I think that sometimes is a tough thing. Was that, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who switched from the trainer to the entrepreneur in, in executive hat, what was the, the, the most challenging part of that transition? Because if you're in a club environment, and the reason why I'm asking this, Derek, is I think because sometimes you're in a club environment or you're in your studio and, and your community, your direct community thinks you have a great idea, but then once you start getting it out to the wider audience, it might take a little bit of time to gain traction. So could you talk about kind of that experience of, of making that transition from trainer with a great idea to all of a sudden just now you're business owner, business operator? Yeah. Oh my God, man. I could, I could sit here for a long time and, and probably cover that topic. But what, what comes to mind right when you ask that question is um, first of all, the, the amount of time it, it took to, to, to make that mental shift because you know, I'm, a, I'm a fitness professional 
turned owner and operator of a business. And uh, I really, first of all, made sure I took some time to educate myself on basic business 101, right? So I'm talking, um, I actually went and took a couple basic level college courses while I was running the business and made sure I, I got up to speed on the basic language of business uh, in order to, to, to operate it more confidently, because I think that's critical. Um, pretty quickly into the, into the, um, the business um, where I quit my job as a fitness professional and actually took the entrepreneurial leap and started doing this full time, I realized that the business was not going to grow as fast as I had forecasted, which is really scary. Um, and so it was a wake up call. And I think w- one of the biggest, um, uh, areas, I guess I'll focus on with that idea, because I think everyone who's wants to do this is going to encounter that at some point. Um, you're probably not going to grow as fast as you think, um, is this idea of, of focus, right? Um, what are you, what are you focusing on? And, and you mentioned transitioning out of a studio and into the world. And I think it's critical to focus on that because in a, in a studio, you know, you or in a gym, say everyone knows you and they think you have a great idea. But when right when you get into that environment where you're you're not known, you get slapped in the face pretty hard. And uh, that's why it's good to start small and start local and and focus on a small group of people. I'm talking like even in a given county or a township or a city or whatever, because. You minimize your expenses. You can fail a lot faster if you know you do not have a good idea, and if you, you know, if you're starting to to to, to make some success and and create some demand for whatever it is you're trying to sell in a local area, then you can take that that kind of um, that roadmap and start to apply it to larger audiences. And uh, one thing that we did not do when we started Active Motion Bar was was follow that that concept we immediately started to attend all the biggest trade shows in the in the united states spent a ton of money wasted a lot of money on that approach and when we really should have spent time focusing more on who our core customer is and kind of how to start really marketing our products to people we know will appreciate them so it's probably a super long-winded explanation but um um, that, that's my my thoughts on that. But so. but it's I think that's helpful, Derek, because I think your a your success can can kind of be a motivation for maybe somebody else to do the same, and sharing some ideas of maybe where you might have hit one or two hiccups can keep people from avoiding the same thing. So I want to wrap this conversation up with going back to crowdfunding. Now, using crowdfunding, you know, whether you use Indiegogo or Kickstarter, people aren't buying. You're not selling equity in your business, are you? No, no. What you're doing is people are providing you with funding, usually in any amount. Uh, in some cases, out of the goodness of their heart, because they want to see your project succeed. But in most cases, it's in exchange, not for equity, but for something tangible. Usually, it's it's one of your products you're trying to sell, or or if you're not selling a tangible product and you're maybe putting together a a play or um, something like that, you know, they would get access to it at some point. So, uh, yeah, usually it's, it's in exchange for something like that. Now, do you have any plans to use any, to do crowdfunding for anything else that you might be doing in the future? We don't need to go into specifics on that, but just, I mean, was it, I guess what I'm asking is, was it a good experience and would you use it again if if you need to, to raise some cash? Yeah, I think, you know, what it does for us more than anything is it gives us something to rally around and, and also, 
you know, crowdfunding at its essence, Pete, is, is you know, trying to rally a niche group of people to help create a crowd around a product and, and, you know, raise the funding necessary to bring it to the world. And so uh, I think just the idea of that versus just, just trying to make sales is, is pretty inspirational. So, so definitely we want to, um, we were actually just kicked off our second crowdfunding campaign using Kickstarter for a new product of ours. And, um, the reason is because we, we found it very beneficial to kind of create that that story and that campaign to build a marketing plan around and to kind of rally our, our existing customer base around and offer people something new. We found we found it a really good way to launch something new before, and I think we're we're already seeing that happen again. So that's cool. I think that's good to hear because I think for a lot of you know budding fitness entrepreneurs out there, my my sense is that getting that initial cash or getting that initial you know, investment can be one of the, the biggest hurdles to overcome. Now, as you've, as you've done this, as you've grown, have you, have people been, you know, have you been spending time helping coach other people on how to get, you know, go through that process and, and to make that transition to an entrepreneur? Uh, yeah. So we've, um, you know, we, I, I've just personally had the privilege of working with lots of fitness professionals who've kind of joined our team because, you know, with, with our company, it's just as much education driven as it is with our products. And you need good fitness professionals to deliver that education. And it's funny how every, every fitness professional I talk to has that entrepreneurial bug, you know, where they want to go and, and do something on their own. And so I think through working with us as such a young company, I have people all the time tell me that they've, they've learned some really valuable lessons as a result of seeing you know, what we go through on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And it's not all positive either. You know, there's lots of struggles and cash flow issues and, and things that arise all the time. But, um, I think what they appreciate is getting to observe firsthand, like the resiliency and the passion that, that drives you through all those struggles. So, um, and and in working this, so to, to wrap it up and, and I really appreciate your time man. to wrap it up, what is like if you, when you look back on it, if you don't mind sharing, you know what was kind of the that point of when you're like you kind of went over the hump of where you're like because I'm sure when you first get we're getting this started, I'm sure there's a lot of I don't want to say fear, but there's just a lot of probably nervous angst of is this product really going to fly? When did you know? Um, what was that point when you knew that okay, we got something cool here? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if there was like one specific moment in time, Pete, where I felt like, you know, super confident that this was going to be something that, that was going to be like really successful. I think it's been like a progressive realization as I've seen, seen it go from like local out of my garage to moving into a small office to going into a larger warehouse and then moving on from there. And then also seeing, seeing our products and education expand from, um, from, from like, you know, the U S over to, to all these international markets, it's just been progressive. And, um, and so, so over the, over the years, I think I've, I've gained confidence and, and realized that, that, you know, active motion bars, something that's going to be here to stay, whether or not, you know, we continue to operate the business or at some point, um, you know, a larger distributor or partner kind of comes in and, and takes things over. Um, but, but yeah. So that's the, 
Cool, you know? man. I, that, I think that's, that's such a motivational. I mean, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about this, you know, for listeners, you know, Derek and I have worked together a little bit. I am one of your master trainers. So it's just a full disclosure. And one of the reasons why I, I like being affiliated with you, Derek, is A, I believe in your product, but but B, I really, you know, have a lot of respect for what you're doing and, and what you've accomplished by being in the, in the entrepreneurial role. Now, for people that want to learn more information, where can they, how can they, you know, kind of stay in touch or get in contact with Active Motion Bar? Yeah, probably the best best place to go is our website, which is activemotionbar.com. And, uh, our, you know, we were pretty active on all the social channels too. So Facebook, Instagram, we're always trying to, to post content on there that's valuable to our to our customers and to our followers. And uh, I just want to say thanks to you too, Pete. I mean, I mean, I've learned a lot from you from a, you know, from a uh, exercise and exercise science standpoint, but also from a business standpoint too. I think you're one of the rare guys that has really good business head on his shoulders. And so um, we, we love having you on the team and I'm happy to do this. So, But you've been involved with idea conferences for the last couple of years. What, what's it like, what's it mean to you to be, to be somebody, to be a business who, who works with idea? Yeah, it's, well, first of all, it's, we, out of all the trade shows we do, it's the one we invest most heavily into every year, the last three years. Um, there, it's a great organization. I think the, the level of attendance there and the quality of the attendees is also always very high. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, for me personally, it's really awesome to see our company, uh, kind of exhibiting next to, to the, the, the big dogs in the industry at this show. Um, and, and also having our education kind of go toe to toe with, with some of the big educators out there too. So, uh, but it's all, you know, it's not like there's a competition, right? I mean, we're all doing this for the greater good of the industry and for people's health. So it's, it's really cool to be a part of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Derek, thank you for your time. And for listeners, you can check out activemotionbar.com. I'll have a couple of links down below. So if they want to follow up with you, they'll have the opportunity to do that. Cool. Sounds good, Pete. Well, what we wanted to do with this episode was to give you some insight into how two companies use crowdfunding in, be, in order to be able to expand their operations. So now if you have that idea for the next TRX or the next Zumba, there's your opportunity. Go out there and make it happen. I'm Pete McCall, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of Idea Fit Business Success, and we'll look forward to having you join us for future episodes.